Before we begin, we want to tell you three times a week, the right time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, we have a community of friends, including Dominique Foxworth from Foxworth Fridays. That's the right time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and Wednesdays and Fridays podcasts are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Also, the final episode for Man in the Arena is here exclusively on ESPN Plus, which means all episodes are now streaming. Man in the Arena, Tom Brady. 22 seasons and 10 Super Bowl appearances. Tom Brady like you've never heard him featuring Tom's three sisters, Giselle Bunchen, Tom Brady Sr., Rob Gronkowski, Michael Strahan, and many more. All episodes are now streaming on ESPN Plus, presented by Under Armour. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. That's my man, Super Bowl champ, Ryan Clark. I am a UFC Hall of Famer, Daniel Cormier. I mean, did I really, Ryan, did I really just do that? I mean, come on, dude. Can you be any more full of yourself? (laughs) Hey, DC, when you earned that (laughs) distinction, you have to make sure people know it. I love it, bro. UFC. Hall of Famer, Daniel Cormier. Now finish, hey, listen, now finish telling people what's coming up on the rest of the show so I can get to that. Come on, finish, tell them, tell them, go ahead. My man, coming up on this show, guys, we're going to go back to Arizona. We're going to talk about UFC 274. We're going to tap in and tap out as always, but we are debuting a new segment on this show. If you guys know my man, Ryan Clark, you know he always dressed to the nines. Dude is as clean as anyone is clean. But the fighters have started to step up their game. Yo. So we debut in Step and Fly with Ryan Clark. How excited are you about that, Ryan? Listen, I'm excited about Step and Fly, but can we talk about who was the real stepper over the weekend? And that was you, bro. And it was crazy. So it was after, I think, the, the first fight on the main card. Glenn is texting me, RC, stay in your seat. Something big is about to happen. Now, I got to use yeah. the bathroom because I've been drinking <laughs> Dasani, and so I'm ready to go to the bathroom. But, like, something big is going to happen. And then they showed, like, the UFC preview to the main events. And I was like, well, that was anticlimactic. And he was like, no, <laughs> wait until the next fight. And, man, and w- w- when it dropped on the big screen, bro, and they put the camera on you, it was just amazing to be in the arena, in the building, to see a friend of mine get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I understand what that means. I got to see it with, with, with Troy and the NFL Hall of Fame. And now you, you know, having a couple of days to sit on it, man, and really let it sink in. How are you feeling about this amazing accomplishment? Ryan, it's uh, it's it's exciting and it's exciting because there's been a few Hall of Fames, right? I went to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, I've been in a couple of wrestling ones. Only one left is the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Come on, guys, get on your game. But with this one, <laughs> it's like I have not put my feet back on the ground, RC. I, I tried to actually put a banner outside of the Daniel Cormier Wrestling Academy that says home of UFC Hall of Famer Daniel Cormier. That was shot down by the people that work at the gym because they think that's absurd and it's too I'm much. I'm so tired but of it, bro. <laughs> it's absurd. <laughs> I've had people tell me at this point, Ryan, if I have to hear that you're a Hall of Famer one more time, I am going to walk out of here and never come back. Bro, it, it, honestly, though, being truthful, it's a, it's a great distinction. It is the highest honor in our sport in the UFC. And when you are recognized for all of the things that you did and your contributions to the game, nothing matches up to it, man. And and I've always said, RC, championships fade, legacy lasts forever. And mm-hmm. my legacy now is etched in stone. And when my time on this earth is done, my son, my daughters, they can take their kids to the UFC Hall of Fame in Las Vegas yeah. and always say, look at what your grandfather was. So even when I'm gone from this earth, my memory will always last. And that is something that uh that is truly special. Man, that that's truly amazing. And it is the highest accomplishment in any sport. And to reach it in your sport, which I think for people like me who are huge fans of Daniel Cormier and fans of the UFC, This was a foregone conclusion. It was a win, not necessarily an if for me. But you also get to go into the Hall of Fame with your friend, with your training partner, Mm -hmm. uh, with with your mate, 
Khabib Nurmagomedov, what does that accomplishment for the both of you mean to you? You know, right before the show, I was doing a message to Habib in the back, and I said, hey, man, for all that we've done, you actually get into the Hall of Fame before me. And the, my bosses were smiling because obviously they write the show and they produce the show. They knew that I was getting this. But it means a ton because Habib is a truly once-in-a-lifetime talent that came into San Jose like a whirlwind, man. He was like mm -hmm. a tornado. That was like our little brother spoke no English, and he ultimately went to the absolute top of the sport. And uh, he put a, a tribute of pictures of us over the years on his Instagram the other day. And it just truly is a culmination of 10 years of hard work all spent together uh, inside the walls of the American Kickboxing Academy. But but to me, it's a, it's a real, for as much of it, uh, an accomplishment it is for me and Habib, imagine what it is and speaks to the level of coaches we had in yeah, that gym, RC, absolutely. to have two guys going into the Hall of Fame at one time, the American Kickboxing Academy. In 2015-16, me, Kane, Luke, all held the championship. Habib became yeah. the UFC champion. So for Bob Cook, Javier Mendez, Leandro Vera, the rest of the coach staff, Habib's father, before, you mm. know, the late, great Abdulmanap, Nurmagomedov, and all the work that he put into all these great Russian athletes, for all of us to come together in San Jose, in the Bay, uh, and create that championship culture is truly something special. And I cannot wait to July to get all of our coaches back together and they can truly take a bow because this is yeah. about as much about them as it is about me and Habib standing at the forefront. Now, RC, enough about me, my brother. Enough about <laughs> me. It was great. It was fun. But um, we got to go back to the desert. And mm -hmm. I want to say this. For people that talk about my boy Ryan, Ryan Clark, he's at ESPN, loves Ryan. Guys, this weekend, Ryan went to Arizona. Ryan was on ABC breaking down the fights in the morning. Ryan showed up to the fights at 3.30. Not many people <laughs> in the world show up at 3.30 to watch every single fight. This dude and his son, Jordan, were so excited yep. that they were there from fight number one all the way through the main event. Ryan, when you unpack yep. UFC 274 and the environment that surrounded it, how special was it? Outside of the co-main yeah. event. Because, I mean, yeah, outside yeah, of the co-main event, yeah, how special yeah. was it? I mean, I think it was it was extremely special. And you mentioned, you know, getting an opportunity to be there for some of the undercard fights as well that weren't on the main card or, or that weren't weren't big on the mar marquee to see Cortez fight in front, you know, of her hometown and be supported in the way the way that she was to see some of the, the topsy turvy fights with some of the, the 125 pounders. I just thought the, the entire night was fun. But it really was culminated by watching Charles Oliveira, to me, cement himself right below or right with guys like Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, Jose Aldo, as one of the best 155-pounders we've ever seen. And the weekend started with controversy, uh, DC. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Charles Oliveira missing the weight, hearing some rumors about, you know, the, the scale being off and so many different things. And to watch him focus, to watch him face that early adversity put on by the onslaught of, of Justin Gaethje, but then to prevail again. And this is three times in a row, DC. Three times in a row, we've seen Charles Oliveira in trouble. A guy that people said would fold early on his in his career, couldn't overcome adversity. And for him to find a way to finish Justin Gaethje in the first round with the rear naked choke, and you've told me so many times when it comes to Charles Oliveira and guys like Alderman Sterling, if this dude gets your back, the fight is over, and Justin Gaethje was no different. When you look back on, I mean, what seemed like a, a first round that took forever but ended Justin <laughs> Gaethje in that round, what are your memories of sitting octagon side and being able to see that? You know, going all the way back to the scale thing, the UFC has now said they're going to have security that protects the scale, the check scales to ensure <laughs> what happened right. last week and doesn't happen again. Because, look, call me a cheater all you want, but if I'm the commissioner, guy steps on that 155.2.3, I'm knocking that thing off to the right and saying 155, Let's, we got a title <laughs> fight, let's go. Because 0.2 pounds, what does right. it really matter ultimately in the grand scheme of things? I think leaving the arena on Saturday – I'm almost like at a loss. And me and Rogan and Anik were all kind of sitting there going, this Charles Oliveira, man, like what in the world? But then when you start to really sit back 
and think about it. Charles Oliveira has some advantages built in that a lot of people don't have. So when you hurt him, you can't jump on him to finish because if you jump yeah. on him to finish, God forbid he takes your back and then you're done. Right. Or you get stuck in a grappling situation with him. He's still so dangerous. So it's almost like a boxer. They get dropped. They get a second to recover because you got to like let him. You can't follow him up. Well, same thing with Charles Oliveira. He gets dropped. And then you have to kind of wait for the referee to tell him to stand back up so that he can engage with you in the striking. And then when he does get up, he doesn't take a step backwards. He goes right back into the fire and he puts mm -hmm. pressure on you. And that's why he's so dangerous. Now, he hit Justin Gaethje with that right hand that dropped him in the middle of the exchanges. So Justin threw a combination, felt like they were going to take a, stop, a break for a second. And the moment Justin stopped throwing... Boom, Charles dropped that right hand on him. And that's where you see the difference. Charles rushed him and punched, missed. But when he missed, he went right into back control, right? Mm -hmm. He went right into the grappling. You can't do that against him. So it allows him to recover. I'm just fascinated by what Bronx has become in this game because we have never seen a guy make more of a turn in their career. Robbie Lawler, maybe. Robbie yeah. Lawler, maybe, from yep. mm -hmm. Strike Force being okay to becoming the dominant UFC champion. But outside of that, I haven't seen a Charles Oliveira. And uh, Ryan, more than ever after Saturday, I was like, man, I still think Islam beats him. But I'm less sure than I was going into that fight because I thought nobody ever can compete with Islam. But this right. kid is, is special. Now, R.C., He's going to get knocked out. Let's just put it out there. At some yeah. point, somebody's going to get him enough to where he's not going to be able to recover. But until right. then, it's about to be a fun ride, man, because this dude's in the greatest fights that we've seen in a long time. And he's finishing. Yeah, and I think, and I think, and I think I, what, what he's doing as well, though, DC, is that his fights are exciting. It, it, mm -hmm. It's not one of those, uh, being such a high-level grappler, this isn't like watching Damian Maya. Right, where, mm -hmm. where, where some of those fights, and I know for some people those things are still exciting, but some of those fights were never, well, most of those fights were never exciting on his feet, right? It, it was the grappling and the jiu-jitsu, and then it made people not even really engage with him and just outpoint him. And so it's great to see that Charles Oliveira will stand with the Justin, the Justin Gaethje's, the, the Dustin Poirier's, the, the Michael Chandler's. And then we all know that if those fights get to the ground, he's the leading submission artist in the history of the UFC. But also let's think a little bit, whereas Charles Oliveira is cementing himself at the top mm -hmm. of the mountain, it's seeming that Justin Gaethje is kind of like right below. Still a very good mm -hmm. fighter, a very exciting fighter, but Dustin Poirier, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, now Charles Oliveira, he's kind of falling in that Corey Sanhagen spot where yep. I can beat everybody else or the Brian Ortega spot. I can beat everybody else but the dudes. Is Justin yeah. Gaethje maybe, because you know, you mentioned, DC, that, that he's not scared of anybody. He's going to mm -hmm. make people fight, and he's going to try to bring them to hell. But is he a little bit too reckless to be the champion, and how should his game change going forward if he ever truly wants to get that gold strap? I don't think, he'll, I don't think he can change. I think Justin Gaethje is who Justin Gaethje is always going to be, and I think that's why everybody loves to watch him compete. But when you think about a guy that has fought for the championship twice, has held the interim title, but hasn't been able to truly rise up in those spots. He's number two. He's number three. Like, it's not that bad to be the second best in the entire world, right? He's right. like one of the top guys in the entire world. So uh, maybe he falls a little short in those big spots, but he's still a truly, truly elite talent. But I, I think that he wasn't able to fight more conservative against Charles because Charles won't let anybody fight conservative against right. him because of the way that he approaches you. He just goes after you. Ryan, when he got hit with that second right hand and he got dropped and he went mm -hmm. to throw another push kick and he just fell backwards, it's yeah. like, dude's body was like, his body just kind of was stop. like, okay, you got to go down. Like, I you know you right. want to keep fighting, but your body <laughs> needs to fall because we got to let right. your brain kind of recover. So Justin hit him with a lot of shots. But when you watch it, you watch how Justin was missing big because mm -hmm. all that pressure made him want to garner some respect from Charles Oliveira. And Charles Oliveira really is just not giving nobody respect. 
He's right. walking dudes down and he's just doing his thing. And Ryan, maybe he's not a star before, but every time he goes out there with those types of fights, he grows and grows and grows. That dude went to that fight last weekend with 2 million Instagram followers. Yesterday I saw him put up a post. He's at 3 million Instagram followers. So he's Crazy. starting to connect. You make you get a million Instagram followers over a weekend, you're right. starting to really make an impression on people. And uh, the kid's special, man. The kid is truly special. You know what? It's so crazy that we 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 have these weekends and there's so much excitement around fights like Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. And then it truly delivers. But there was another fight on this card between 155 pounders that was Michael Ooh. Chandler and Tony <laughs> Ferguson. And I think more than any fight coming into the week, this was the one people were anticipating having fireworks and, and being exciting and being mano y mano. DC, I've been in many a football stadium. I've played with punters and kickers that were some of the best of the best. That was the best field goal kick <laughs> I have ever seen. And it went right through the uprights of Tony Ferguson's oh open God. guard and landed on his chin. DC, I saw your face, bro. When they made, when they showed the replay of Chandler sleeping Ferguson with, I can't even call it a front kick. It was a punt. With Chandler yeah, punting Tony Ferguson in the face. Bro, what was that like from that close? Ryan, can I tell you something? The craziest thing. The fight in the first round. First off, Chandler got hit by Tony Ferguson. <laughs> yes. he, he, Remember he I said, like, he never hit, he's hit anybody like three <laughs> fights. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so Mike like, gets dropped. The fight goes pretty good in the first round. He takes him down. Second yeah. round starts. We're barely into the round. I tap Rogan on the chest because I'm one of those guys that likes to tap you. You know that. Every time we're around each other, I'm like, yo, RC, RC. You I'm like, yo, listen, listen. Because I want to like, I want to make sure the person like gives me attention, looks in the face. So I look at Rogan. I go, Joe, good. I mean, good round for Tony. Some encouraging. Oh, my God. Joe's like, oh. So then I look over. I'm like, oh, my God. I missed it. I can't believe I, you missed it? Bro, no. the first time I saw it was on the replay, dog. The first time I saw it was on the I was like, what happened? I was like, the first time I saw it was on the replay. And I was like, oh, my God, he punted him in the face. Because, like, I looked over at Joe to, like, make a point. You know, I'm talking to him like, hey, man, like, so it's a good round, but kind of encouraging for Tony Ferguson. And he goes, oh, with his face turned. I look over Tony's face first on the ground. I could not believe yeah. it because – we expected a long fight because Ferguson never gets knocked out. Yes. And this dude, Michael Chandler, just punched him in the face. And then, so then Mike gets mad because I go, hey, it wasn't Anderson Silva in regards to the technique. It was yeah. more brutal a knockout than when Anderson did it to Vitor. Yes. But yes. that was a punt. Anderson did, see, Anderson did some slick shit, right? I'm sorry. Anderson did some slick stuff. <laughs> Anderson got his hip all out in front of him, his leg snaps. He does yeah, he it was, beautiful, it, right? It, Anderson yeah, Silver. Right. It's technique. It was technical. It was like what you expect from the greatest of all time. Chandler just goes up there and just kicks the dude up in the face, knocks him out completely. I could not. Bro, Tony fell flat, Ryan. When they flipped him over, his feet crossed. I was like, how yes, did his bro. feet get crossed? I don't know if the officials crossed his feet, but he was down there for a good two and a half minutes, just out. So... Hats off to MC, you know, our, our third, the third part of DCRC and MC. But, bro, that hey. was tremendous. Hey, DC, it, it, was, it was one of those things, man, that I'm watching the, the first <laughs> round, and I'm like, man, Mike might lose. You know, and he, <laughs> he was smart because he went back to wrestling, right? Yep, Mike, yep. We, we, haven't, we haven't seen Mike, who's a world-class wrestler, use his wrestling. And also... That takedown was a tackle that I would be proud of. Wasn't bro. it that nasty? Was wasn't that a tackle? So explosive. Oh, so explosive. He brought his <laughs> hips through. I was like, me and Jordan are, are up top at the suite. Like, this is what it's about. Like, we need to go, we need to bring him to ASU to teach tackling. And so he gets him down. I was like, okay, he got out of the first round. And Michael, I'll be honest, Michael Chandler is one of my favorite fighters because he's just such a good human. And I was like, yeah. man, everybody's screaming, Tony, Tony. And then all of a sudden, bro, out of nowhere, that kick came from the Arrogant Butcher, which is a restaurant <laughs> across the street from the Footprint Center. And it, yeah. when it landed and, and, and Tony was out, it was just pandemonium. But so I have you a saw question it? for you. You actually saw it yeah, live? I actually, I actually saw it. But you know, <laughs> DC, from the stands where I was, you mostly see him fall. 
right? You don't necessarily see like everything that leads into it. Like you see Mike start the kick and then Tony's just like face first and Jordan screaming and running around. I'm screaming and running around. My wife yonks up there with her hands over her face like this, like she watching a scary movie. Bro, it was <laughs> one of the craziest scenes ever. And then Michael Chandler backflips four times. Now, First off, he's the height of a gymnast, so I get it, yeah. right? You can be explosive and, 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 and flip like that. But when a dude's laying face first on the mat the way Tony mm -hmm. is, what's a fighter's mindset when it comes to celebrating, DC? You can't just turn it off, RC. You can't just turn it off. Look, if, if anyone wants to say anything about Chandler, credit Chandler for not hitting him with any follow-up shots. Because yeah. generally, you see a fighter get hurt, like when Dan Henderson hurt Michael Bisping. He did not have to hit Mike again when he jumped up mm. and he smashed. Mike was gone, right? Right. Chandler could have went and jumped on him and hit him again. He didn't. Chandler, you can't turn it off, bro. And then when you win a fight like that on that stage, the adrenaline is coursing through your body. You're, you're, you're an incredible Hulk, bro. You can't turn it off. It's like that doesn't stop. You don't start – you don't stop like – tingling until you get back to the locker room, you get your money because they pay you like they pay you or at least they used to right in the back. You get a big freaking really? check. Boom, we get a huge check in the back of the arena. Every time you get a big old check, you hand it to your wife or whoever you got, that's going to take it from you. And then you go sit in the back and you get a moment. And then the, the everything starts to kind of come down a little bit, but it's like a, a high that nothing could ever match. You'll never do, and I always tell people this, I say, you'll never drink enough to feel this good. Any person that does drugs, they'll never do enough drugs to feel this good. Nothing matches when you hit that curtain for a fight and then you win a fight. I'd imagine it's something like going out into an NFL football game. There's nothing mm. like it. Every sense in your body is just on a thousand. So Michael Chandler's celebrating because Michael Chandler just had the biggest moment of his entire UFC career because for as good as the Dan Hooker knockout was, that was the greatest front kick knockout in the history of the UFC. Was, uh, and then he goes bro. on the microphone next and he becomes Ric Flair. Dude drops a yeah. promo. And, and, of course, he shoots a shot for a title. That's not happening. Let's be, be, be honest about it. It'll be Islam or someone else. But then he, shoot, he goes to Conor McGregor knowing that Conor's ego will not allow for him not to respond. We talked right about away. it, right? Conor hits him back, right? Conor goes, I'd have a nice knockoff this guy. No doubt about it. A fireworks spectacle. I like the 170 shout-out also. Tipped him over. I'm definitely game to fight this guy at some stage in my career. I see it happening after tonight. Congrats on a solid win, Michael, and another and another barnstormer. This dude, Connor, is always paying attention. Michael Chandler took advantage of him. We talked about this last week. You never have more eyes on you than in the octagon. MC took full advantage of it, and now yeah. he seems in line for another massive fight. DC, you know what's crazy, though, bro? So when Tony <laughs> connects and, and drops Mike, my first thought is, that's what he get for staying up late, planning what he going to say after the fight. Like, that was my <laughs> first thought. Because remember, we talked about that on the pre-show, yep. and he was like, and he, he talked about, you know, having his call out. He was ready. He couldn't sleep because he was putting it together. I was like, Mike, that's why Tony finna put you to sleep, bro. And I was like tripping yeah. on it. And so I was happy he finally, you know, came around and was able to finish the fight in the manner that he did, made it so exciting. So now we did get that Ric Flair moment in the octagon with Joe Rogan. But DC, do you, I want, I want to know, do you have your pencil and paper, bro? Because now okay. it's time for oh, matchup maker Daniel okay, Cormier. Go. So Is when you're time? looking at the at you're looking at the lightweight division, right? And we know, mm -hmm. we know, we know DC. Islam Makachev can beat everybody. Yes, we know. <laughs> He's better than everybody. I love him almost as much as I love Khabib. They're the greatest he, ever. Hey, bro, bro. He actually, when he came on the show, you liked him. You liked him when he came I on did. the show. I did. You I liked, liked him. him. You know what I'm saying? I liked him. So here we go. So, I got I got some matchups for you. I got some matchups for you, bro. All right. I got Charles versus Islam. I think that one's easy. I think that one's easy. You make that one right away. Which one you My make? My boy, Ch you, make, you make Charles versus Islam right away. So Islam doesn't then, have to be uh, Benil Dariush to get him a no, shot? No, no, no. You're just giving him no, a no. shot right now? I think that because Benil's injured, 
you go right away to the fight between Islam versus Charles Oliveira in Abu Dhabi in October. There's a fight already scheduled for Abu Dhabi in October. You take those two over there. You let those guys fight and figure out who's the greatest lightweight in the world. Look, Charles is the number one lightweight in the world right now after last week and after what he has done. But for so long, many people are saying it's Islam Makhachev, it's Islam Makhachev, it's whatever. Let's match it up in October. Daniel Cormier. Let's get it done. Daniel Cormier. What? Daniel Cormier. What? What? Daniel Cormier. What? what? So Wait, what you, I'm not so screwing what? Benil Daryush. I'm not screwing Benil Daryush. I'm not That's screwing not what I'm him, DC, DC. So you're saying that Islam Makhachev, who's, let's say, like his best win, maybe Dan Hooker. We'll go with Dan Hooker. Like uh, that, that, that's his big win. Is in the same conversation... Man. Is in the so, same conversation yes. as a man that just beat yes, yes. Tony Ferguson, yes, yes. Michael Chandler, Dustin yes. Poirier, yes. and Justin yes. Gaethje. That's yes. what you're telling me. I'm telling you, the eye test don't fail. Listen, listen. DC, I know the eye test is, don't DC, fail you. I've watched. They bought the they bought the stripper in your Hall of Fame status. They bought the stripper right now. You are not leaving the set. You know you like to get up and leave. I saw you try to leave on me a couple times, dog. I'm telling you. The eyes don't lie. Well, well, actually, I just told you last weekend that the eyes lie. You told me about eyes lie. <laughs> just said it. I'm watching Makashev and I can tell. But look what I got, RC. I got Charles versus Islam for the title. Charles okay. as the number one contender. Islam as the number two contender. Charles the champion. Hey, but I'm not going to screw Benil Dariush. I'm giving Benil Dariush Dustin Poirier. I'm giving mm. him a chance to fight a former mm. interim champion and then solely put himself in line as the number one contender if he can get past DP, which is not easy to do. Dustin is an absolute savage, and he might knock him out. But if he wins, now Dustin is back in the conversation, especially if Islam wins Islam the wins. belt, right? There you go. And for Michael Chandler, look, Michael Chandler has won a couple, lost a couple. Last weekend was his biggest win. Michael Chandler deserves another massive fight, Brian. But it ain't going to be Conor McGregor. It's going to be Nate Diaz. Nathan mm. Diaz versus Michael Chandler. Because mm. now we don't need Michael Chandler back in the title picture just yet. July 30th, Nathan Diaz, 170. That's it. Mike has earned that with that knockout. That's how you match up the lightweight division. That's how you go and give Michael Chandler a pat on the back and say, good job, Spud. Go out there and try to get another victory against another massive name. You stick him in there with Nathan Diaz. Ryan, and that right there is why I am on the short list. If Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby walk away, I could be like the matchmaker of the UFC. But that's why. Hey, well, look, I got to stop turning. Hey, I got to stop turning this side of my face. I got I got Matt Herpes on my I got matter fees on my face, man. I got to make sure I turn this way. DC, there's been enough of MMA talk and herpes. <laughs> We're going to separate those things for the DC and RC show. So here's so so DC, here's why I would get the matchmaker job before you. Okay, um, show. First me. of all, first of all, I secretly revealed all of the matchmaking 2 weeks ago. That's the first thing. Right, I did that myself on the pivot, bro. I and can't believe. Secondly, I, I can't believe y'all did that. That is just that is a bro. I <laughs> betrayal and, of and, trust. Hey, and secondly, there is no way we talk about 155 pounders or people fighting at 170 pounds and don't mention Conor McGregor. You all, you're He's not you're so, ready. You're He's you're not so ready. Islam He's focused. Not ready. He's not ready, champ. He's not ready, champ. He's just not ready. We can't bring him in there with a broken leg. You can, I know you love the guy, Ryan, but you can't roll the guy out there in a wheelchair, bring him out there in crutches to fight for uh, against the best fighters in the world. Well, guess what? It'll still be a huge pay-per-view uh, buy if we did <laughs> march him out there in crutches. <laughs> so as the matchmaker, DC, you're supposed to know this. And so, so what happens? So all of this fallout and all of these guys fight. Does Conor McGregor get the explosive, huge, fun Michael Chandler fight or Diaz fight when he comes back? Or does he has have an opportunity to walk straight into a championship bout Bro. if Islam Makachev is the champion or Charles Oliveira is the champion at the time, especially with a guy like Charles mentioning Conor McGregor as well? Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's uh, it's 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 crazy to say it, but knowing the ins and outs of this business, if Conor McGregor is truly pushing for a championship fight, and honestly, like as things don't change, it becomes more and more likely that he could do that because as Charles continues to go through the division, right? Beating Chandler, beating Dustin, beating now, uh, beating Tony Ferguson, now beating Justin Gaethje. After Islam, who's the next clear guy? You know what I'm saying? So he starts to find himself on the short list because of his name recognition, not because of warrant. It's not merit on what Conor McGregor has done lately, but it will because he's the biggest star in the game still. He's like, yo, I want to fight for the belt. Charles Oliveira understands that the money is in the McGregor fight, and and he could go to the the, the powers that be and be like, hey, if there's a chance for McGregor, uh, I'd like to take it. And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it sounds crazy, but yeah, he could potentially find himself in the title fight. Well, and that's that's the 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 crazy thing about who Conor McGregor is. Conor McGregor is that big name. Conor McGregor is that guy. And he's going to factor into a 155, 170-pound fights until, at least to me, he doesn't want to anymore. But let's get to the co-main event to DC, which was absolutely less fireworks than we saw in Charles and Justin, than we saw in Tony and Mike. Uh, Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza, too, didn't live up to the hype. It wasn't the type of excitement we saw when Carla won the strawweight division championship years ago in 2014. It was a defensive fight, I think, by by both parties. Maybe Carla wanted to engage in wrestling a little bit more than Rose did. But Rose had some comments about what she felt went on with the judging and the way that the fight was scored. Let's listen to her here. I thought, okay, maybe, uh, you know, like... I don't know what you could count. Like the low kicks, like she the low kicks weren't even hurting me. Like they really didn't do anything. Um uh the the takedown maybe, but I mean maybe was I uh I don't know, maybe just like all of her attempts, but I stuffed all of those. Like I mean, I don't know how many times she attempted to try to grab me, but really it was really um I, I don't know. I don't get no credit for good defense. Like, <laughs> like I think maybe just the judges wanted to see, like, a slugfest like it was, you know, maybe previous fights or something. And so they weren't appreciative of, you know, good strategy and stuff like that. But like I said, I'm always in exciting fights. Like, I can't have, like, a strategic fight. Like, I got to up this face, you know? Like, no, that. You know, DC, she, she talked about being able to stuff takedowns and what her defense should mean in a fight like that. You know, she also said that she can't have a defensive fight. She's been in exciting fights before, that she got to mess this face up in, in order to win. And she basically said, F that. When you listen yeah. to Rose and some of her comments post-fight, after sitting Octagon side and being able to watch it, What's your view on the fight, first off, and then how do you feel about the way it was scored? Honestly, Ryan, you know, their scoring criteria is in fighting, you know, and octagon control is the very last criteria for scoring a fight. And I think for the first time in a long time, uh, that became a part of how they were judging the fight. I mean, I think back to Yoel Romero versus Israel Adesanya that were long time spent where they just kind of stared at each other with Izzy feigning. Yoel just kind of keeping his hands up over his face. Um, uh, this one was weird, man, because it felt like when Rose would defend a takedown, she would always count that as a victory. And in yes. every defense, it was like a win. I won, right? I, I didn't get taken down. Because the first time she got taken down so easy, it was almost like she just was scoring the match for herself when in reality, um, nothing was happening. Like, for long periods of time, nothing was happening. And sure, Rose, you do get those. You get those opportunities to not always be involved in those fights where everybody's like, Rose is the greatest of all time. She's the best. She's such a little firecracker. But the reality is when you got a championship to defend, you cannot play chance. And she played chance last Saturday by not doing anything, by by strategically making decisions that ultimately cost her her belt. Because if she just turned it up a little bit, and I'm not trying to disrespect Carla Ryan, but when you would see them go a little bit, 
it was clear that Rose was better. Like, if she would have just yes. opened up, it was like yes. she was a better fighter on that night. And also, she defended the takedowns. And when she got taken down, she was able she to just get up. right back up. Yeah. So it was like, I don't understand where the 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 risk-taking uh, was so, like, non-existent. And then part of it was, honestly, the cornering. The cornering yeah. was, was very off to me. Um, it, it was almost like they were assuring her that she was winning. So I, I don't mm -hmm. know what was going on. DC, but, you know, we've heard it before. And, you know, we both love wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, to beat a man, you got to beat the man. Like, like yeah. that's the saying. <laughs> and you mentioned Israel Adesanya uh, and, and, and Romero. You remember back in that fight, there, there wasn't a ton of action. But also, Yoel Romero didn't necessarily press Israel Adesanya. He mm -hmm. didn't go take the belt from him. Are we now in a place or are the days of you have to go take the belt from the champion gone and truly judges are just scoring these fights as they would score the 3 o'clock fight that only you guys and me and Jordan were in the <laughs> arena for? Um, <laughs> that's the way it always was supposed to be. Right, it was always supposed to be that way. They just got to judge them as they fight them. Um, to I, when I said that on the air the other day, John Anik and Joe Rogan jumped down my throat. They was like, "Don't start that," because I was like, "Are we in a situation where you got to beat the man to be the man?" They're like DC, don't you dare, because they just hate that that thought process. Now, Carla Sparza is very credentialed in this weight division, so seeing her as the champion for his second time now. It's not surprising. She's won six fights in a row. She has truly lugged herself up by the bootstraps to become a champion for the second time. But I got to be honest with you. There are women now in this weight class that are licking their chops. Yoana Jacek for one. Zhang Wei Li, Je Jessica, Jessica Andrade, Andrade is losing her mind because yes. they're like, dude, we don't have to fight Rose to become champion again. So it was a massive moment for uh, Carla Esparza. And dude, she's getting married Saturday. She doesn't have a mark on her face. So if anybody was okay to play it safe, it's Carla Esparza because she walks down the aisle this so weekend. So, DC, I have a question for you. I have yep, a question yep, yep. for you, though. With saying these things about Carla Esparza, with understanding that Rose uh, may be the greatest strawweight of all time, should she get an immediate rematch? If everybody's licking their chops, DC, because you can't have the boring fight twice? can't do it, bro. You can't do it after what we just saw last weekend because what changes? What changes from fight now to fight next, right? Especially when there's contenders in there that you know will just challenge the new champion. Uh, Jessica Andrade, if they scheduled that fight, would be a favorite to beat Carla Esparza. And then you know when you put Rose and Jessica together, it's very exciting. So, um, no, you cannot do the immediate rematch. And I, I like Rose. She's a very, very nice girl. Uh, maybe, yeah, like you said, one of the greatest feather straw weights of all time. But after that performance, I think Rose needs to take a break, reevaluate again, and come back motivated as she did uh, on her run to becoming uh, the champion like for it. a second time. I don't, I, like I don't it, know, Ryan. Ryan, I, I hear you. I hear you, bro. Now, Ryan, last weekend we're at the fights. Yep. And you show up dressed up as always. It's kind of annoying, but whatever is whatever. Um, I who I am. But... Most people are dressed up. <laughs> you said the text saying Kamaru Usman dressed like Eddie Murphy on Raw. Charles Dubois dressed nice. Dude, dudes be, <laughs> dudes be looking, dudes be looking nice. So I figured, yeah. let's start a segment of the show for my boy, the fashionista of the bunch, to talk about some of these outfits. With the NBA, we see the arrivals. With the uh, UFC, now we are seeing them. So now it's time for Step and Fly with my boy Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark. Let me hit him. Let's go. Hey, so out of the gate, man, we had we had Charles Oliveira. Now, this this is the thing for me. Now, DC, you know Ooh. I'm a capper, and I love I love my red. Charles Oliveira stepped in like a champion. He kept saying the whole weekend, "I'm the champ. I'm the champ. The belt is mine." I'm gonna tell you what it was. The fashion crown was his. Listen, the Met Gala was last week, and I don't know what the hell was going on with those outfits, <laughs> but Charles Oliveira. Walked into the footprint center to put his hands on somebody and he was dressed like it. This is a dude 
that dressed like when I leave out of here, I'm leaving out as the winner. And he yeah, absolutely yeah. was. He walked in winning DC and he walked out winning. This is something that you cannot wear, but I can. I actually have yeah. a red suit and now yeah. I can't wait to rock it. It seemed like everybody trying to wear red now and not many wear it like my boy Du Bronx did with the red suit, white shirt, black tie with the red glasses. Dude was, was looking clean, phenomenal, dog. man. Dude was looking clean. Hey, talk to me about my boy Tony Ferguson. Let me know how hey, Tony listen. Ferguson stepped in hey, last weekend. Tony Ferguson is part of the peaky effing blinders, bro. <laughs> hey, listen, we already, <laughs> hey, hey, we already know, man. When them boys step step through, <laughs> they step through clean. And this is this is a fighter's outfit, DC. This is the way you come through when you know you mean business. And early on in the fight. Tony Ferguson did. I expect this from him. Listen, I love the Kango. I love the brim. Yeah. I love the vest. I thought it was clean. That's something I can rock with for Tony Ferguson. I like the bop. I like his bop. I like his little black shirt. I think he look all right, but he ain't no Charles Oliveira. Now, no. Hey, hey, he wasn't well, the champ, If there's a guy that is a fashion icon in the UFC, is this dude right here. The Nigerian nightmare. Kamaru Usman, talk to me, mm -hmm. RC. No, that's bad, bro. I'm sorry. You don't like I, I, it? I, I want. I do not like it, bro. It's it, the, the 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 shiny red mace old P Diddy suit from the video. You remember? I don't know. You remember that video when they was flying around in their red, red shiny shiny suits? And all he trying to do is show us that he cut up. DC. We know that Kamaru <laughs> Usman ripped up. I don't need to see that in the Eddie Murphy delirious outfit. I'm not with it, man. I am no, not no, with it. No. Nope. You the champ. Let me champ. Take put a shirt on. Put a shirt Let on, Chase. Let me tell you something. Kamaru Usman is as fashionable as anyone in all the sport. And he came out the, the, he came out like an African prince like last week. Look at him. I mean, it's shiny. He's got his, his, his hey, necklaces on. Kamaru, see, you know he clean. Prince Hakeem would never. What is that? <laughs> Velvet? No, sir. I'm not with it. I'm not with it, DC. You know what? How about this? For the next pay-per-view that you do, I want you to dress like that. I want oh, to see all oh, the Daniel Cormier chest hairs let, let, let out in the red delirious you gonna be, outfit. You gonna be, let me tell you, you in for a good time. If I if I open up my shirt, you in for a good time because that hey. is a beer keg around that belly. Let me tell you why you skinny like that. The way y'all look, they got a beer keg. I'm a man's <laughs> man, a full grown oh. Louisiana bear. <laughs> That's what we call it now, a man's man. I hear you, bro. <laughs> hey, let's talk about my boy Bruce Buffer. Always clean. Clean. The voice of clean. the octagon. Love it. Hey, listen. Hey, and Ryan, Bruce inside Buffer, that jacket, Ryan, inside that jacket is somebody's face. Somebody's face is on the inside of that somebody's jacket. Somebody's face. Here's what <laughs> I'm going to say about Bruce Buffer, man. And uh, God rest the soul of Craig Sager. Craig Sager was one of the best to ever do it in the NBA. But every week, he brought his own style and his own flair. And I think at first, we were like, oh, that's a lot. It's too much. Bruce Buffer is now getting there for me, where every week when I know he's going to be in the octagon announcing fighters, one, he's the greatest hype man that's ever lived. Boxing and boxers don't get this type of introduction, but he's going to bring a tuxedo jacket or coat that's going to mm -hmm. be absolutely phenomenal. And this one was clean as well. This was fit for the desert. This was fit for Charles Oliveira. This was fit for Michael Chandler. This was what it was supposed to be for this event. I give my dog a 10 out of 10, and he could go to the Met Gala, and I will applaud him because he deserves to be there. My boy Bruce Buffer, always clean. He's always clean, honestly. Voice is iconic, man. And when you think UFC, you think Bruce Buffer. But Ryan, let me tell you something. Somebody else was dressed fire down in Arizona because on Friday morning, I did my weigh-in show. And look at that. Oh. A true cowboy. A Bro, true why are you cowboy. walking like that? But <laughs> why you walk like that, DC? Right. I Yo. ride horses all the time. You know, so I'm a bit bow-legged. <laughs> I ride horses all the time, so I'm a bit bow-legged. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, that's just an old ARC. Just an old cowboy showing up for another day's work on the ranch. Bro. Tell me about Bro. that outfit. Look at those roses Bro. on the back of my shirt. DC, they would never let you in Yellowstone looking like that. You have no, hey, listen, you have no shot. You can't live in the main house. You can't live in the house that all the cow heads fit in. None of them dressed, bro. You look, you know what? You know who's the scaredest right now? The horse. 
That, that's who's scared. <laughs> the horse. The horse realizes. The horse right. realizes. Hold on, wait. Hey, I was Is this scared heavyweight too. about to get on hey. me? Hell right, I was scared too. No, bro. I was scared of the horse bad. I was so scared, dog, riding that horse. But, dog, hey, I kept the Wranglers. I was like, man, they fit kind of good. I think my butt looks good in these pants. I mean, I walk like, I walk just like Rip Wheeler. I look like Rip from Yellowstone. You do not look like Rip. You do not look like Rip. RC, I do look like Rip. Look like your pants. Look like your pants about the Rip. RC, my outfit was fire, but let's look at this. Look at look at this guy. I mean, look at this guy right here. This is bad. I mean, this is bad. This boy is not stepping fly. This stepping fly RC. Is that bro, hey, is that in do is, you that, not, is that bro, in Hermes belt? Bro, yes it is. And do you oh. not see the Kappa diamonds inside my jacket, DC? Are you not seeing that? You don't see me stunning? This boy What clean. are you talking about? Kamaru Usman could never, bro. Listen. No. And this is, you, you this, think, this is So you think you out you think you outdressing Kamaru Usman? Any day of the week, DC. Any day of the week, without you trying. DC, this is just me. This is just me going to NFL Live on a, on on, Jan, on January fifth on 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 my on my cap anniversary. This is so just this me wasn't chilling. A I'm, special day. This wasn't a special no, day. No, DC. I'm just outside of the double tree right there in Bristol, bro. That's all that is. I'm not even. I'm not even walking down with the cameras on me. Come on, DC. Come on, man. Get it right. Wow. I you mean, see me? I thought, you see me on I Tuesday? Thought, me personally, I thought it just looked like a little bit much. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? You could have wore some Wranglers with a nice rose-colored black shirt, you know, looking real nice like a real cowboy like myself. Whatever. I, I'll be honest with you. That was a pretty nice outfit. I mean, I, 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 I would wear that. I would wear that. Okay. And look the so, same. And look just like you also. Well, it is me. So here's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> there were some... There were some fights that maybe were leaked on some podcasts recently. Bro, what were you guys about, doing? What were you what were you guys doing? What? We were in the room that Dana mm -hmm. White, the UFC president, told us to wait for him in. And when he walked in, we were able to film. We asked if it was all right, and it was all right. And so here Whoa. we are. And got four we five? were pretty we were pretty close, DC. We were pretty close. And so now that 276 slash the pivot has been revealed, <laughs> when you look at <laughs> when you look at some of these fights on, on that night, what is the fight that you're most intrigued by coming up at UFC 276? Obviously, the championship between Cannoneer and Adesanya is going to be the one that stands out. But I like the Pajeda fight versus Strickland because mm -hmm. I truly believe that there are now Honestly, they're fast-tracking this kid to a title fight. If he can get past mm -hmm. Sean Strickland, another striker, you might see him in there with Israel Adesanya. And he's barely been in the game. So um, that one excites me. Ton of great fights at UFC 276. Look, every time we do International Fight Weekend, it was the first one that you showed up to when we started DC and RC. Mm -hmm. um, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, you see the enormity of the event because the fans are there. Everything's like big. This year's event is going to be through the absolute roof. And it's the same weekend that we do the Hall of Fame. I know I've said it a number of times on this show, but it's like it's such a it's one of the it's it's one of the prideful and the biggest weekends on the UFC calendar. And you have to have a card that matches that. So you got Edisanya defending against Karen Anir. You also get Volkanovsky versus Holloway three, Ryan. And if I'm being honest with you. I kind of want to do another one of those face-off things I did with Cejudo and, and Aljo with, with Volkanovski and Max Holloway going into the third fight. I think that would be fun to kind of get their thoughts going into that third rematch. A fight, honestly, Ryan, where you got two dudes fighting for a third time and one guy yeah. won both. So won that's both, how right. good these two are in this weight class. Yeah, and I think that's the one that I'm, I'm looking the most forward to uh, because, honestly, no matter what people think about Volk, Max, too, Alexander Volkanovsky, he won both of those fights. And yep. so now you have these guys going into a third fight. And, you know, we're here to see who truly is the best at 144 pounds when Volk believes it's him. And so many people want to say that it's Max Holloway. And so I'm excited about that. Um, I do believe, too, when you look at Pereira and Strickland, that the UFC made a conscious decision. Not the conscious decision to say, we got to see this guy go through wrestlers to get yep. to Israel Adesanya. To say, no, 
We're going to put him in pe- with people that are going to stand up with him. I think it's Sean Strickland's case who isn't as technically sound or skilled as Alex is and give him an opportunity to get to Israel Adesanya when you look at the top five and all the guys that he's already beaten. And so I'm excited about that fight card. Um, I obviously knew about the fight card before anybody else. <laughs> and so This dude like to and, pat himself <laughs> on the back, man. This boy <laughs> loves to pat himself on the back. Hey, Ryan, one last thought on the Holloway and, and Volkanovski fight. It's... Look at how bad they beat everyone else when they were off yes. on their own and they were not opposed to each other. Like, look at what Vogue did to the zombie mm-hmm. and look at what Max did to Yair Rodriguez and Calvin yes. Cater. So it's like, yep. look at how bad they beat guys when it wasn't them against each other. So it truly speaks to how special they are in this weight class. But it's that time again, RC. It's that time. Tap in, tap out. Let's go, Carpet Jake. Let's get it. Turning back to UFC 274, Shogun Hua and OSP rematch in what is safe to say a stinker of a fight. OSP walked away the winner, but both men did not perform well. RC, tap in or tap out, this should be it for Shogun inside the octagon. I tap in on that. Um, Listen, this is a dude who is is truly a mixed martial arts legend. Uh, Whether it's pride or the UFC, the, the things that he's done... Um, in this game and in this sport are, are legendary. And I believe that it comes a point where we are no longer who we are. And time comes for us all. Some of us get to walk away gracefully um, and then others don't. And I think for uh, Shogun Rua, this is an opportunity to avenge a loss. Uh, he didn't get to do that, but he also didn't go out and put on a show that should make people want to see him again. And I think anytime you are a legend in a sport, we don't want to see you get there. And so for me, this should be his last fight. You know, I, I, I tap out. I, I think he sh- he he's been very vocal about having two fights, right? It was this last one last weekend and then one more to walk away. You know, when Kobe Bryant, um, you know, the great Kobe Bryant was in his final season, everybody was made aware and everybody got to give him his roses. Everybody got to see him one last time and give him the applause that he so rightfully deserved. Vince Carter, in his last year, was getting the same thing in the pandemic hit. He never got to truly finish those last games. You remember the moment they let him shoot the three in the last game before we were put on lockdown? I think it's the same thing with Shogun. Shogun's going out there. You're getting to watch him. You get to watch him and applaud him one last time, especially when you know that he's done. Dana said he has one more fight on his contract. They're going to let him fight it out. I agree. Let's go out there and see this dude one more time. The legend gets to to kind of walk out there uh, knowing it'll be his last fight. So, yeah, I tap out on that one. Jake? Also taking place Saturday night was Canelo versus Bivol. Canelo moved up to light heavyweight and lost in an attempt at the belt. DC, tap in or tap out that Canelo killed his shot at a trilogy with Triple G by moving up to light heavyweight? You know, I tap out because the reality is this. He went up in weight. Him and Triple G don't fight at light heavyweight. They fight in a different right. weight class. Exactly. So it's like, and he won the Triple G fight. So it's not why, why would he have lost? Look, this fight with Bivol, right? Like everybody, Bivol, everybody knew this was a very difficult fight. The guy's good. The great Teddy Atlas said, "Hey, Canelo plays defense on the side of the ropes a lot of times against Bivol. This could be his to his detriment. It's exactly what happened. He's fighting a bigger man, fighting him in the way that he fights smaller men." And it cost him. So, no, you can still do the Triple G trilogy because with some guys, it does not matter if they win or lose once. And Canelo's one of those guys. Yeah, I tap I tap out that he's ended his chances for that. I think everybody's still going to watch that. We have to remember that Canelo Alvarez actually won the fights against Triple G. And this was something that everybody knew was going to be a difficult matchup. There's weight classes for a reason. Also, you're in there with a longer guy, a taller guy, a bigger guy who can actually fight. It wasn't like he moved up and made a Jake Paul type pick in picking his opponent. He fought one of the best in the world who was bigger than him and he lost. But he's still one of the greatest fighters in boxing right now. One of the best guys doing it. And so I believe that people will still pay to watch him fight Triple G one more time. Corporate Jake, you're up. UFC's summer lineup is starting to take shape, and the flyweights seem to be a part of it. An interim title fight is in the works between Brennan Moreno and Kai Kara France. RC, tap in or tap out on another interim title fight? 
I tap in, and here's why I tap in. We can't get Davidson Figueredo, Brandon Marino four right now, right? We, we, we can't have that happen. And Kai Kara France is a guy who is showing us he's a true contender in the weight class. This gives us an opportunity to see it without people having to clamor for something else on the outside, without saying we want to see Moreno Figueredo again. We get to see this fight. And if Kai Kyra France wins, then he gets his opportunity at the champion to unify the belt per se, because I guess it'll be an interim and a championship belt. Or if Brandon Marino wins, we get to say again, no, this is the top dude. This is the top contender. We can go watch those two men. That's Davis, Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Marino go at it again. You know, it's 0-1-1 between those two. They're the two best flyweights in the world. Kai Carfranc has truly uh, uh, made a mark on the division on this latest run. But to me, it's like I don't have any of the inside details. So I don't know what happened to the champion. So what did Davidson right. Figueredo do to, for them to be making an interim title fight right now? I don't really know what he did that is forcing this interim championship fight. But in terms of a fun fight, I'm all in. But um, So I guess I'll tap in on the interim title. But I just want to know what Davidson did to where he's not a part of this equation. Corporate Jake. Speaking of summer lineup, DC's good pal Luke Rockhold is making his return at middleweight to face Paulo Costa. So DC, tap in or tap out on Costa being Rockhold's opponent for his return? I, I tap in because it's what Luke wants. I, I don't. I don't really know uh, what he sees in this 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 matchup. We had this conversation yesterday. Honestly, we were in uh, our group message on Instagram. Me and 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 Luke and and all of our teammates, the Russian guys, Abib, Islam. A bunch and all those guys. So we're all like talking, and Habib sends the matchup. He goes these two, and I go Luke's like begging for this fight, and I don't know why. And I'll be, and we're talking about this right in front of him, and and Habib goes, this guy has great punch, but maybe he doesn't have good wrestling. So maybe that's why Luke is wanting to fight. But I tap in because it's what my friend wants. I don't quite. I've said it before. I don't quite understand why this is the one that he's been so uh, so so focused on. I mean, I tap in because DC just gave me inside information that he's on an Instagram message group that I'm not allowed in. And <laughs> I don't really like it. And so, if, but I truly, though, if this is what, if this is what Luke wants, you know, he's somebody who's been a fighter uh, for an incredibly long hey, time. Hey, Ryan, Ryan, the top Ryan, of this Ryan, game. Ryan, 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 Ryan. If Paulo uh, Costa doing that, <laughs> then yeah, I want the fight too. Did you see that? <laughs> I mean, look at this. If that's yeah. the stuff he's doing to get ready, then that's the guy you want to fight. What is he doing, DC, man? DC, maybe maybe Luke sees a loophole and a way to win, and that's why he's taking the fight. So I tap in. Jake, do we got one more? During Friday's UFC weigh-in show, the crew showcased their skills in a little game of beer pong. So RC, tap in or tap out on our resident Hall of Famers beer pong skills. Tap in. And here's, here's the only reason I tap in. We from Louisiana, bro. Any game that you are playing <laughs> that would involve drinking, we are the best at. And I know I'd like to say that it matters on if we could get the ball to go in the cup, but it really doesn't because mm -mm. we're just going to outdrink everybody anyway. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I tap all the way in on the Louisiana animal and his beer pong skills. Hey, let me tell you something. RC, I appreciate that. I, I tap in out because they're showing clips of me making a couple, but I might have missed 100. We were out there for a while. Here's the problem, Ryan. We do this weigh-in show and – Right on the other side is, is UFC Live on ESPN. These guys are doing the real show. We're at a sorority party. I mean, we're over there drinking beer. We're like partying, <laughs> playing beer pong. We're doing all kind of crazy stuff, and it's so fun. Bro, Bilal Muhammad doesn't drink. So every time we made one, Laura Sanko had to drink. She's 105 pounds. <laughs> she was so wasted. By the time the show was done, it was insane. I'm not the greatest beer pong player, but I, like you said, RC, we from Louisiana, and from we Louisiana, love bro. to compete. Love to compete. Um, also, too, uh, Brett Okamoto is reporting that uh, Cowboy Lawzone has been rescheduled for June 18th, mm -hmm. and everybody was excited to see Cowboy Cerrone fight one more time. Obviously, he got food poisoning while he was in Phoenix. The fight wasn't able to take place, so I think it's super cool that we get an opportunity to see someone that we truly love to see in the octagon get his opportunity to walk away under the circumstances that he wants to. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it should be a good fight. It was a very exciting fight for a number of reasons. Uh, very nostalgic, right? Because those guys were both fighting yes. around the top of the division at the same time. Fun fight, happy that it's rescheduled. But RC, man, great week down in Phoenix. And I was yes, excited, brother. like I said, on ABC on Saturday to see the reception that you got from the fans. Because man, as much as crazy, hey, bro, bro, they treated you great at the weigh-ins. When you walked in, I bet that was fun for your son to see also. Yeah, it, it was cool, man. It's it's a long way away from the first time I got to walk into uh, the weigh-ins was almost a year ago. And it's kind of felt like I got a true welcoming from the UFC fans. It wasn't about what I did when I played football or being an NFL analyst. I got so many people that told me they loved what I did with DC. And so that was the cool part, man, that we've been able to gain fans. I've been able to gain fans and, you know, the type of love that they showed me on a week that's truly not about me. You've been very busy and now you've got some time. So I hope we see you at all the pay-per-views. It, not Singapore. I'm certain you're not, not going to go. Singapore, of course, bro. I'm going to have to go not to Singapore. Singapore. But My wife guys, wants to go to Singapore. Guys, make sure you catch DC and RC wherever you get your podcast. Every Tuesday, ESPN YouTube channel. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark, Super Bowl champ. Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. RC, have a great weekend, DC. my boy.